What makes a law firm? It's about passion, knowledge, understanding, and service. That's what defines Fluxman's. In this podcast series, we take you behind the desks of some of South Africa's smartest legal minds. When it comes to commercial and corporate-related litigation, insolvency, insolvency-related uh, work, business restructure, turnarounds, Colin Strym is one of the leading attorneys in South Africa. He completed his BPROC degree at WITS in 1979, was awarded the Law Society Prize for the most outstanding law student in his final year. He's also been a director of Fluxman since 2003, and along with his daily schedule, he's authored numerous articles and regularly lectures at conferences. Colin, how did you get into law? By a process of elimination. <laughs> I wasn't bright enough to do medicine. Oh, really? <laughs> or dentistry. And... Uh, so what are you saying about lawyers? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided to pursue a career which I thought I would do well at and uh, applied for law and got into law. And did you like it immediately or is it something that I you did. had to learn to like? I actually took to it straight away. It just What aspect of it was, was attractive to you? Everything. I couldn't think of anything that I didn't like. I enjoyed everything, the lectures, the preparation, the research, yeah. um, everything about it just appealed to me. Is there something about the certainty of the law too? Like there's, there's a definite answer to things and, no. the, and there's a consequence to things. There are, I would say, exceptional situations where there's a definite answer, but most of the time there isn't. Um, every matter is different and um, you have to... Look at a matter from various angles and then decide which way to advise your clients to go. So what's stimulating about the profession is that it, it's not as simple as um, feeding information into a computer um, and then getting an answer. There are so many unknowns and so many external factors that influence what happens in a matter that actually makes it stimulating and makes it very complicated and not as simple as people may think. There aren't just short answers. So in, in other words, this is one of those careers that's never going to be taken completely over by machines. It's always going to need the human element. I agree with that, although they say that uh, <laughs> they're moving in the direction of machines taking over, but I don't think it could ever happen. So do you think that people are born to be lawyers, or do you think it's something that they can be trained to become? I think it's a passion that you have. For the career, you either have it or you don't. So, yes, I think your question is, are you born to be a lawyer? Yes, you're born to be a lawyer. Um, I notice that when we get candidate attorneys starting out, you can see shortly after they start who has the passion, who loves the law, and who's going to stay and who's going to leave. And um, you have those who love it and those who hate it. You can see it up front. You can tell straight away? You, you've got to get to know the person, but more or less straight away, you can wow. see who's going to stay and who's going to go. Now, you specialize in business rescue, and that has to be one of the toughest things to do. It's hard. You're dealing with a lot of complication. There's huge tension. Um, there's a, a lot at stake in mm -hmm. these companies. Yeah. And they come to you usually out of desperation. Um, the people that see us are usually the board of directors. Yeah. Um, they have cash flow problems when they come and see us. Uh, or they foresee that coming down the line, they're not going to have enough cash to pay their debts. And uh, they're usually in denial. 
Um, you have a, a conflicted board, some who are realistic, some who aren't, some who say most companies have cash flows problems and we're going to get through this so we don't need your help, etc. So you've got to look at it quite carefully. You've got to analyze it. You've got to deal with the psychology of those who are in denial, etc. And um, the right facts, the right circumstances, um, there is a definite place for rescue in the commercial world. It's almost, it's almost like you're a corporate marriage uh, consultant, and uh, like a, what do they call those people? You marriage therapist. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit <laughs> of psychology board. involved. Yeah, That's sure. right. Yeah, and uh, and of course, there's when there's money at stake, and when there is an entire business at stake, which could lead to many many people's jobs being lost and all kinds mm-hmm. of other things. Every decision you make from there on, you become like the the super board uh, yeah. on top of that board. Yeah. We act as the legal advisors to the business rescue practitioners. So when we've identified that a company should go into rescue and they do follow our advice, we usually introduce them to somebody who would be qualified to resolve the business problems that they have in their industry. Because remember, the industries are all very different and have different specializations. Mining is very different from retail. Uh, Retail is very different from engineering. So you'd look to see who your specialized business rescue practitioner would be You'd introduce him to the board, see if they get on together, if they have confidence in him or her, and then um, run with it. So you would sit regularly with the business rescue practitioner and then the creditors and to an extent where there's going to be value for shareholders, then with the shareholders, and then you try and strike a balance and move this, call it a sinking ship, through these troubled waters and try and bring it out on the other end in a healthy shape. So there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. Uh, a lot of conflict, mm-hmm. um, a lot of good decisions, a lot of good meetings, and uh, it's actually very interesting. It teaches you about business, teaches you how to identify what the causes of the company's problems are, address those causes, and then hopefully rescue it at the end of the day. How do you measure your success in something like that? Well, successfully rescuing the company. If you <laughs> bring it, it through the, the storm at the end right. of the day where it comes out solvent, uh, in two senses, with enough cash to continue, mm-hmm. with some support, whether by shareholders or outsiders, and um, when the assets exceed its liabilities, when you've reversed the uh, liabilities exceeding the assets. It sounds very complicated. I'd imagine it, it gets, in some situations, very hairy too, um, where you have to mediate between parties who have completely different views mm-hmm. about how things should go, yeah. and and you guys are then the ones they call on to help make that happen yeah you're quite right the most difficult rescues are the ones where the shareholders are fighting each other where you have uh, the owners in effect with different agendas you i've been involved in rescues where you have an owner who wants to liquidate the company and the other group of owners who want to save the company Hmm. Um, those that want to champion the rescue those that uh, fight to champion so yeah the most difficult ones are where the shareholders are at war with each other um, I would imagine that it's really important in business rescue to, to know what the market's up to. So you almost have the functions of a normal lawyer, but then you also have the functions of someone who is intensely interested in the, in the market, in business generally, in what's going yeah. on and who's selling, who's buying, whether or not there are enough sales coming through, if it's a sales-type business. You really have to know everything. I mean, you've got to read just tons and tons of yeah. stuff. You do read tons and tons. I don't think you could ever know everything, no, sure. but you do keep your 
ear to the ground and you watch the markets. Um, you see which sectors are in trouble, which aren't. At the moment, most are. Mining's in trouble. Construction's in trouble. Retail's in trouble. Mm -hmm. So it's so not So you've hard, got lots yeah. of business right now. <laughs> There's lots of people knocking on your door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I would imagine also that there are large amounts of money in play here. The, the yeah. quantum in these situations is enormous, yeah. right? Yeah. They are very large. Well, rescues are divided into three sections. You get the large rescue, the medium-sized rescue, and the small rescue, and that depends on what they call a PIS score, which is set out in the New Companies Act. So when you have a PIS score, which is below 100, you're a small rescue. Hmm. Uh, between 100 and 500 is a medium, and above 500 is a large, and it could run into the billions uh, quite easily. So when you're dealing with big companies, you're usually in the 100 millions or in the billion category. How do you even get to sleep at night knowing that you're ultimately responsible for these ki these kinds of amounts, these kinds of lives, these sorts of businesses. How do you separate the the work from your life? We do have sleepless nights, but you try and switch off when you get home. So I'd rather work here until 12 o'clock at night and then go home and have a few hours sleep than go home and work mm. in the sense that I like to see my house as my place of rest and my place of where I can switch off. And if I, it's taken a long time, but uh, I try and switch off as I pull into my driveway and uh, relax and unwind and then not think about the matters. But when you're involved in a rescue and there's so many moving parts and there's so much friction going on and people trying to jeopardize your rescue and uh, sabotage it, in mm. fact, those type of things would keep you awake at night, lying there thinking how you can overcome it and how you can deal with it and how you can solve those issues. So certainly there are a few sleepless nights, but I'm glad to say I have, I think, more better peaceful sleeps than I do unsettled. Good. I also sleeps. saw – now can we talk about your office for a second because that gave me a little bit of insight into the kind of guy you are. Your office is filled with family pictures, so being a family man is important. You've got kids? I have three Grandkids? Kids, yes. I have three grandkids and one on the way. Uh-huh. Muzzle top. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. They all seem like they're very happy, well-adjusted people. You've obviously been an important part of all of their lives. But again, you've got to have hobbies. You have to have a life that takes you outside of your office. As serious uh, as, a, as you can be as a lawyer, you need to, to sure. be a, a human when you get home. How do you, how do you draw that line? I did see you have sneakers yeah. on last yeah. Friday. Well, I use sport to unwind. Okay. So I go to gym regularly in the mornings, early. I run when I'm stressed, mm -hmm. de-stresses me. So I like to exercise a lot. I think that's that's my hobby is exercising and, of course, spending quality time with grandkids now Yeah, because my kids are all adults now. So do, your kids, do your kids know about what kinds of things you deal with on a daily yeah. basis? Are they aware of the, the, the weight of responsibility that you have in some of these cases? I'm not sure if they are or they aren't, but uh, – I work an average of 12, 13, 14 hours a day, and I've done that since they were wow. born. So they know that I spend a lot of time in the office and uh, not I'm sure they not appreciate spending it. as much time as I should with them. No, no, well, I'm sure that they appreciate it in the long run. They, yeah. they know that you're a serious guy who has a serious business yeah. to run. I'm also um, really impressed by the feeling that I get here that you guys take on a lot of clerks and you said earlier that you can tell who the ones are who are going to become great lawyers and who you know, aren't necessarily the ones that, mm. uh, that will last the, the long run. Yeah. But what do you look for and what advice would you give to young people going into the yeah. law? 
I'm not on the committee that hires the candidate attorneys, so they have their own criteria that they look for. But um, once they've hired them and I interact with them, mm-hmm. um, I tell them the following. First is you've got two years within which to complete your articles. So don't worry about what you earn. Worry about what you learn. And spend as much time as you can in the office. Don't ever sit at your desk without anything in front of you because just reading a letter that a partner may have written or just reading a file or speaking to somebody is a part of your learning curve. And try and put as much time as you can into your two years because before you blink your eyes, your two years will be over and then you're expected to be a qualified lawyer and take on matters on your own. So my advice is don't worry about anything else other than knowledge and try and learn as much as you can in your two years. How would you say the legal practice has changed in South Africa in, the, in your experience in the last sort of 20 years? Well, a lot of things have influenced the way the profession, I suppose, is developing at the moment. BEs had a big role to play in that. And the international law firms moving into South Africa have also had a big role to play in uh, the way we think and we plan and we strategize when we sit and have a strategy session looking forward. These are things that certainly influence us. And how would you say Fluxman's is different? I don't know if we different. We try and inspire passion. We have a certain culture here in um, our partners. Uh, we try and say that we give you a lifestyle at Fluxman's. In other words, you're not just focused on working all day long. Um, we don't watch timesheets. We don't put a timesheet in front of everyone and say you have to account for every minute. We trust our partners to do what they're supposed to do within the time that they have to do it and to have lives outside of the office as well. So we try and inculcate that culture amongst our professionals. Um, we give you a lifestyle and we give you an opportunity. If you want to spend 20 hours a day in the office, you can. If you want to spend 10 hours a day in the office, you can. It's up to you. As long as you are being professional and honest with your partners, you'll be very happy and they'll be happy with you. Um, how long does it take you to get through all that stuff on your desk? Is that just for this week? Because we're going to put a picture of this up so that people can see. Uh, every file I work on uh, needs attention every day. So it's ongoing. Uh, like a rescue. It's yeah. got so many moving parts. You're dealing with landlords. You're dealing with creditors. You're dealing with shareholders. You're dealing with the directors. Um, you're dealing with people who are interested in buying into the company or investing into the company. So there's always in a, in a matter, there's something going on. So you could have... As you saw, probably about five or six matters on my desk. They all require attention all day long. 200, five or six. (laughs) Thank you, Colin. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to Fluxman's Attorneys for the Love of Law. For more information, go to fluxmans.com.